Welcome to the ROE33 Podcast, Season 1, Episode 1. Thank you for joining us on our very first ROE33 Podcast episode. We're really excited you joined us. We've got three great guests lined up for today. Our first guest is Jody Scott, Regional Superintendent of Schools for ROE33. She's joining us today to talk a little bit about an attendance initiative called Every Student, Every Day. Our second guests include Joe Sornberger, who's superintendent at Rova School District, and he's here to talk to us a little bit about being a future-ready school, and joining him is Tracy Johnson, who teaches at Rova and is also a member of that future-ready team. Our final guest is Jared Bruning, history teacher at Churchill Junior High School in Galesburg, and he's joining us to talk a little bit about how he uses augmented reality in the classroom. So we hope you guys enjoy the very first episode of the ROE 33 podcast. First guest on the very first ROE33 podcast is none other than Jody Scott, Regional Superintendent of Schools. And she's here today to talk with us a little bit about a new initiative called Every Student Every Day. So, Jody, what is Every Student Every Day? Um, Every Student Every Day is actually a state initiative um, put out by the Illinois State Board of Education. They've created a um, commission to talk about school attendance and the importance of school attendance. So our initiative around Every Student Every Day is we've kind of taking, taken the concepts that they're using, the research that they've found, and the things that they're developing, and we're making it a region-wide initiative where all of our school districts in ROE 33 area are going to work together to create kind of a, a campaign discussing the importance of school. We're going to regionalize our processes so that our processes when dealing with school attendance, you know, are the same region wide or at least similar. And and we're just going to, again, kind of target some of the reasons why students are missing school and how we can help them get there. So why is this an important initiative now? I mean, just with it, with it being a new initiative through the state, why is this important at this time? You know, I think, I mean, obviously school attendance is always important. And when people are dealing with school attendance, I think as families, as a mother, as, as anything, reminders of what the research says about the importance of being in school and the impact that that ultimately has on our lives in the future. I think just looking back at those things and being reminded of the importance of attendance school and the importance that that has on the student's success But one of the other reasons why now is with our new change from No Child Left Behind to the Every Student Succeeds Act, school attendance is going to be a big accountability piece when we're looking at school accountability for ESSA. And so this is the time because of that, we're stepping back, taking a look at school attendance kind of looking at examples, the reasons why children miss school, um, what kinds of supports we can provide to families to help them get the students to school, and then what kind of communication can we have with each other to help support that process. So I think because of that new accountability system and kind of us stepping back and taking a look at, okay, if we were looking at school attendance in our individual schools or in our region, what's important and how can we get that information out there? I think that's kind of our focus right now. 
So this sounds like a pretty big effort. Uh, who all has been involved in the planning process? So we've we've had um, our first meeting, and our first meeting was kind of I would focus on kind of strategic planning, like asking the questions: Why is this important? Is it important to all of us? Um, and if so, how do we move forward? So at that, all nine of our school districts are represented on that task force, and uh, our truancy um, partners at the ROE and all of our truancy officers at the ROE. And we're also reaching out to the kind of the court systems because we're really gonna talk about the legal process and how that works, um, knowing that it's the law that students um, need to attend school every day. And um, we're talking to the court systems about how we support them and they support us in this process. We're reaching out to you know community agencies and anyone who can help support you know, guiding kids to school every day and support their education. So coming to school every day for a student, it, that's that's not new. How, so, how, But how is this different than the work that you have currently been doing or that you've done in the past? I think one of the big differences is what we hope to accomplish, I think, first and foremost, is streamlining a system. One of the things that we do right now at, as a region, obviously, each one of our school districts and sometimes individual schools have different policies about attendance, have different ideas and, and thoughts about school attendance. And with the new Every Student Succeeds Act and their new definitions, what we hope to do is all come together to look at what the state's expectations are and streamline our process. We also hope to educate the right people about what the process is. Um, again, we would do different things for different district, districts depending on how they they roll things out. And what we hope to do is streamline that, streamline that and have that the same for everyone um, for multiple reasons. So that families understand the process, so that districts understand the process, and so that we have a very clear process on how we deal with school attendance. Um, the, other, the other reason um, specifically is to educate everyone, educate our communities about the importance of school attendance and get our communities involved. So one of the pieces of our initiative is kind of, you know, every student every day in school and how do communities help support that and how do we help support families to be able to do that. So it's the campaign process of when you see a student not in school, you know, what do we do? We say, oh, why aren't you in school today? What, you know, it, are there reasons? Are, you know, is it important for them to be in school? Do, do families know they're not in school? You know, so we really want to get the word out and working with our law enforcement, working with our community to get kids in school. So there's, there's a lot going on with this. What are your next steps and, and what kind of timeline do you have for this? So right after the holidays, we've already formed, I believe it's seven um, different subcommittees that will be working on different parts of the process. And ultimately, when school starts in August of the next school year, we want to have all of our systems in place. Um, so we'll have subcommittees working on the legal system. There's a process legally that you walk through. We'll have a committee that works on that, that works with the courts that everybody's on the same page with how this works, what the process is. We'll have a committee working on school policies and making the region-wide school policies as similar as possible with each, with each district obviously having some of their own things that they work with and put in their policies that might be a little different from the neighboring district. But we're going to work closely on policies. We're going to work on educating 
students and families about the importance of school attendance and about, you know, good reasons to miss school and not good reasons to miss school. Because obviously there are times that you should not be in school, you know, to spread your illness and, you know, doctors and those kinds of things. So there are definitely times not to be in school, but we will talk about what those times are and what kinds of scheduling we can do around the school hours to the best of our ability. So just educating families and students on the school attendance importance, and then campaigning to our community to talk about how we can support students and and the work that they do and how we can support families for ensuring that um, students are in school every day. Great. Well, we look forward to seeing this uh, coming into fruition uh, for the next school year, and I want to say thank you for joining us today. Uh, Thank you for having me, and we are very excited about the success of our students in ROE 33, and we're looking forward to launching this initiative. Our second guest on this episode is... Uh, Tracy Johnson, teacher at Rova, and Joe Sorberger, superintendent of Rova School District. So thanks for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're here today to talk about Future Ready. So could you guys explain what Future Ready is? So Future Ready for us is a um, school, it's it's a school improvement plan that allows us to use research-based information to allow us to make decisions in the classroom and within our community and allows us to better ourselves educationally for kids. From the teacher perspective, uh, it allows a lot more voice for teachers to make the plan instead of having a plan pushed upon them. So what work have you guys done so far in the district to move towards being a future ready school? So the process began with the fact that we were gonna go to a a meeting about future ready in Peoria. We went, um, Tracy and I went, and then from there on, they had a summit in uh, Kansas City, Kansas, and at that point, we decided that, that we were ready to kind of take a leap on, on this journey, which is future ready, and so we put together a team, a uh, build of administrators and, and key teacher leaders in our buildings, and hopped in a, a white bus and drove seven hours to a future ready summit, and, and from that, we just learned a lot on how things have been done elsewhere and how we think we could do things here and and that's kind of how the process began. So from there we tackled two gears to start with so we started with professional development and curriculum and we spent most of last year finding our weaknesses in those two areas and improving them. We're very proud of where we've taken our professional development in a short time and we're just starting to get the ball rolling on changing our curriculum in a positive direction too so Uh, Both of those things have been big changes for our district in a very short time. You mentioned uh, that you looked at data and and used data to to improve your school. What types of data are you using? Well, I think think one of the things that, that started us on this path also with data is the fact that, you know, throughout time, the Rova School District, like many school districts throughout the state, have had a school improvement plan, but it's it's been on paper. Future Ready is not that. It's a it's a dashboard set up that, that allows you to put in goals and, and with the gears and, and focuses on areas of of for us PD and curriculum. So that was one of the big steps. Um, when I became a superintendent at Robe, I asked for our current school improvement plan. We didn't really have one. Uh, Rising Star was mentioned, but as most of us know, the Rising Star initiative isn't even on the uh, ROE checklist for things that we need to do now. So um, a lot of time and effort was put in the, 
into that, but then in, in our actuality, it wasn't used. So we wanted something that we could actually say that we are using to improve the education at, at Rova and Future Ready Zip. So who all has been involved in the process of move, as you've moved towards becoming a Future Ready school? So we have, at the district level, uh, basically it started out with, with the superintendent signing up, basically saying that we were going to do this. Um, that was the key thing that from the beginning, the superintendent had to be involved. And then from there, it's been the key leaders. But one of the things that we did was once we got into the gears and kind of saw, saw the areas, one of the things that happens in there is that there's a list of questions that you have to ask or answer, actually, that say, are you interested in this topic as a school or are you not? And then you grade yourself on those. And those self-assessments, I think, were something that kind of opened our eyes a little bit to, to what our weaknesses was and what our strengths were. And for those meetings we had, uh, it was just, it was all voluntary and we had quite a few teachers and students show up and we could talk through things. And I mean, we spent over an hour on each gear just kind of talking through the problems we saw. And we always, you know, as Mr. Sornberger likes to tell us all the time, uh, if you have a problem, you need to speak twice as long with a solution. And so we had a lot of solutions. And so we had great involvement there. And then we broke down into gears and we have committees that have teachers and students and so quite a bit of involvement. There's still, you know, obviously with any new initiative, you don't have 100% involvement, but I've been proud as we've gone through, we've gotten more and more teachers and students um, asking to be a part of the, the change. So becoming a future ready school is a process, but you've already started implementing some different changes. What, what have you seen uh, already as a result of uh, going through the future ready process? To me, the, the, the key of the future aid process is the fact that we opened up conversations about education that I think haven't been opened up here for a while. Um, you know, in school districts, you tend to build, build walls. You know, you have an elementary wall, you have a junior high wall, you have a high school wall. And my goal has always been to knock those walls down and have communication across the board which is something I think Future Ready started. And, and one of the things for me that, that it started is when I mentioned it and I said, you know, this is a way for you guys to express the things that you may or may not like and things that we need to change. And the first one was, do we need to do AR still? And I was like, well, that's great. That's, I've never heard that. I've been here for two years. I've never heard that. So this is a conversation. And, and I think from there, some of the things that came out were things that we could fix pretty quickly so I think that's how it kind of gained some momentum with some of our teachers because our teachers said, well, we, we really think you need to fix this. And, we, and my response was, I didn't even know that was a problem. So I think that was a key part of kicking us off the ground and getting us going. And then we fixed those things and everyone saw that we were moving forward and we just continued to do so. And I'm kind of a, I'm a, a doer. I like to see action or I give up on things. And that's for me, where Future Ready has been amazing because it is a journey and it's a long-term plan, but there are right now changes you can make. So I mentioned earlier our professional development. We've implemented choice at every professional development we have. We have a genius hour for teachers so they can work on uh, something that they're passionate about. And we've also got rid of faculty meetings and in place of them we have department think tanks to talk about our needs for the department. Uh, so to me, that's been just this huge change in culture that we've had and it's all because of Future Ready. But, and the key, I think, to the, the talking about what we're doing a little differently with, with the PD is, is we've basically decided if, it's, if we're not talking about the education of kids or how teachers need things to educate our kids, we're not having meetings. There's no reason to have a meeting just to have a meeting. So 
I think that that change was a very positive one. We're not dragging people in to hear what happens the night before at the board meeting. What we're doing is, is people are coming in the morning, they're sitting with their peers that teach their subjects. You know, we did English. English was our first one, kind of getting it off the ground. And we haven't, I haven't scheduled with everyone else. So we're going to have an opportunity to sit down and talk about, you know, what, what are you doing in the classroom? What supplies do you need? What are some of the issues? And how can I, as administrator, help fix those? So I, I feel pretty good about that. It's still a little bit of a risk for me going in and talking to them. That was one of the things we've talked about. We're also having book studies now that we've done and reading the innovator's mindset. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of positives that have come out of our future ready process. So in the process, uh, next steps moving forward, what are your, uh, you know, your immediate future goals or next steps that you have to take? And then in terms of long-term, what, what, where are you, where do you go from here where you're at today? So this last week we actually had, that was our big conversation. We had a future ready summit here at, at Rova and brought our, our team in and, and talked to Tom Murray, who's a big, big head in the future ready schools. And he, he gave us a big shot in the arm in the morning telling us the things we have done well and the things we need to do and what we continue to do. Um, we had Joe Sanfilippo in too, which I, I, you know, dropping names today, but that is a big one, uh, came in and kind of gave us the leadership portion of it, which is, is something that, that myself and my principals wanted to hear. And he just basically told us, he goes, Hey guys, pick two things out and do them really, really well. And so that's, that's been some of the things that we've been doing. And, and we have some, there's a principal at Future Ready School also. So we had them in to kind of talk about their thing and summit learning is some of the things that they're looking at. So, you know, Starting year two of it, it's it's just trying to make sure that we're we're up and moving and continue to make as much progress in year one as we are in year two. So I guess the the next question is if if there's a district that's interested in becoming future ready now that you've been going through the process and and looking back at where you were when you started, what advice would you give to the district leadership, the district teachers? You know, what what advice would you give moving forward if somebody wanted to become future ready? Well, I think this is where Tracy and I differ. Um, <laughs> we've, we've had conversations. We had a, a, a great conversation with Becky Ince at Monmouth. Um, they're looking at future ready stuff. And I know her and Ed Fletcher, superintendent there, have talked about it. And I, and I told them, you know, ease into it, do your research, make sure you're, you've got the dashboard figured out and the whole deal before you get going. I said, that's what you need to do. And, and Tracy shook me off and basically said, you need to jump in it like we did. So, yeah. I I think the biggest piece of advice I could give is find uh, an administrator who says yes. <laughs> so administrators say yes um, and, and dive in. So uh, from the teacher perspective, our administrators are extremely busy. And so their natural reaction is going to be, let's slow down and how much money is this going to cost me? And uh, it's our job as teachers to kind of take some of the work off of this. And Future Ready allows you to be a leader. That's the part I like about it the best. Uh, Mr. Sornberger has a number of things on his plate in any given day. So Future Ready can't always be his top priority, but it can be mine. And so my advice is um, teachers find an administrator who will say yes, and administrators find a teacher who will say yes and work together to, to make it happen. Well, I want to say thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast today and uh, look forward to seeing what Rova does with Future Ready moving forward. Thanks for coming. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Next guest today is Jared Bruning, who's a history teacher at Churchill Junior High School. Uh, here to talk about augmented reality. So, Jared, thank you very much for joining us today. No problem. 
Uh, so I guess the first question I have is, can you explain what augmented reality is and then just, you know, kind of compare it to virtual reality? Most people probably, you know, understand what virtual reality is, but uh, talk to us a little bit about what augmented reality is and, and how it's similar or different from virtual reality. Um, well, augmented reality, it's actually, it's been around for a few years. Um, it, it's just that really in the past few years that as smartphones have become more advanced and, you know, more app applications have become available that it's really become something that, honestly, it's, it's something that a lot of, uh, I guess I would say, like, commercial interests are, are getting into. Like, they're finding it as ways that they can advertise. But the thing is, there's a lot of educational applications we can use it for as well. But I guess the best way I would describe augmented reality is um, if you're a nerd like me and you like Iron Man <laughs> and you've seen, like, the new Iron Man movies, think about, like, when Iron Man's looking through his mask and the thing is he can see different things popping up, giving him information as he's looking at the, at the real world. Basically what augmented reality does with a device, you can be looking at a real object in the real physical world and a some sort of digital overlay will appear over top of that. And so it's not really virtual reality because you know when you think of virtual reality, you think of the helmet that you put on and you have a 360 degree view. With this, it's a little more simple in that you can just simply hold up a device like a smartphone or a tablet and it'll recognize an image or some sort of a, a cue that will tell the, the augmented reality program to then, to then make the uh, digital content appear in front of the, the, the user. So it's a really cool, I mean, it's, it's a really neat little thing to, to play with. And the thing is, it's, it's gotten really easy. And I guess later I'll talk about how easy it is to actually create some of the content on augmented reality. So with augmented reality, how are you using it in your classroom? Or how do you see it used in, in other classrooms also? Um, well, I guess thus far, some of the ways I've used it, uh, one thing was uh, this year I, I'm, I'm planning on having a few assignments where kids create their own. And so one thing I did like an open house was I had like a bulletin board in my room and I had some devices sitting back there, some old smartphones of my own and uh, everything. And I, I basically said, you know, grab these things and look around the bulletin board and you'll find the bulletin board will come to life. And that's one of the things I'm planning on doing this year is maybe creating like a living bulletin board. But parents were really, you know, just astounded when they were able to look on the board and just a simple picture of Uncle Sam would then turn into an entire like video describing the history of Uncle Sam. Or I had a picture of myself on there that came to life and I started describing the class to them. And, and so, um, that, that's some of the ways I've used it. Actually, I, I recently did another uh, little activity in class when we were introducing uh, some of the Illinois Constitution. We did some history of Illinois itself, and so I had the kids do a little scavenger hunt in the classroom where, and I know this is one thing that teachers are a little nervous about, where I actually had them use their own phones. And the thing was I you know, took them to the, the, had them download the application, which I'll talk about in a little bit, and I had them go to the correct places, and then they could go around the room and find the different clues that gave them the answers to these different questions about Illinois history. So it's kind of a, f a little, you know, a more fun, interactive way to, you know, to do, do things like that. So I think there's lots of applications. And again, you know, I think, again, we're just scratching the surface on what we could do with this. Uh, I'm sure there's all kinds of different ideas of, of things, which again, maybe I'll talk about in a little bit of, of some different things I've heard of being done with it. So. Sure. So you've mentioned a few times about uh, the devices that you use to um, to view the augmented reality. So why don't you share what, if I'm a teacher that wants to start using augmented reality in my classroom, 
what do I need as a teacher to um, create the augmented reality activities? And then as what do the students need, um, both on the equipment side as well as the software application side? Okay, well, I guess first off, I'll start off by telling you what the application is. The application is called Erasma, and I suppose I'll spell it here for you. It's A-U-R-A-S-M-A, -A -A. Erasma is the, uh, is the uh, application, and it's a free application to, down, uh, to download on, you know, an iPhone or uh, I guess like an Android or, or whatever operating system you might be uh, using on, on your phone. But there's actually kind of uh, two different ways uh, to do it. You could create all of your content through the phone if you wanted to with just the application, which is basically what you could do is simply take a picture of something that you want to create as what they call as an aura. It's something that activates the augmented reality to make something appear. You could just take the picture there, and then through your phone, you could just follow the, the instructions on there, and you could, you could place everything in. The way that I've found that it's been a little bit easier to do is Erasma also offers a website online that is called Erasma Studio, which you then basically link with your Erasma account, and you can create your stuff there. And it's much easier there because you can, of course, have your keyboard and have all your files on your computer to upload that you want to ha have appearing. So there's kind of two different methods. I would suggest in, in working with it, I've used the Erasmus Studio as being the, uh, the primary means of, of creating the content. And that's what, honestly, I've had some of my students beginning to sign up for Erasmus Studio. And, and again, it's completely free to have them sign up for that. Um, now I'm trying to think of what, what else I was going to say about Erasmus Studio. But it's, uh, it's extremely simple to use. Once you get on there and start figuring it out, it, it's really easy because once you put in your image, or say what you want your aura to be, then it'll ask you what you want your you know, augmented content to be. And then you put that on there, and then it'll even give you options of how do you want it to appear and where do you want it to appear. And, uh, and so it's really, really simple. And all you have to do is, you know, once you create your account, then you simply tell your students when they log on to Erasma, they just have to follow you. So it's kind of like you know, on Twitter where you, you follow certain people. Once you follow that person, then you'll see all the augmented content that they have, all right, or at least you can access their augmented content. So in a way, like I said, it's kind of similar to Twitter in a way because you, you try to get followers to follow your augmented uh, content. Or if you were just creating, like, a, say, a project that you just specifically wanted only certain people to see, you would just create a certain, you know, maybe a special name and say, okay, only the, this is my name to follow. And I believe you can create, you know, public groups or private groups mm -hmm. Uh, within within Erasmus, and so that way not everybody can necessarily see it. But but again, as long as you got a desktop, and you know the main thing is you got to have you know some sort of viewing device, so like an iPhone or a you know a, or a tablet or something mm -hmm. like that, then you, you can do it. It's it's pretty simple. So it won't it, so in order to view, you have to have a handheld device. It wouldn't work on like a Chromebook or. As far as I know, right now we've okay. been kind of working on that. We've been trying to find you know. Again, I may be incorrect. There might be somebody that knows, you know, a, a way to use it on a Chromebook. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, you know, the Chromebook family is basically the way the computer is, is situated. Yeah. It doesn't really work. It does it? Yeah. Well, you're right because if you're if you have to point the camera and then view, it was you know you're you're turning the camera around basically. So I I, yeah. I, I guess I understand there how that works. So yeah. yeah. So you kind of mentioned uh, a little bit about you know the students being able to download the studio. How how could you see students as creators with with augmented reality? Well, as I said, you know, one of my projects I really want to do this year is to create a living bulletin board. And basically, I kind of thought of this as, as being a project where I can com combine, you know, you're always trying to find ways to get kids to, to 
uh, apply what they've learned in class differently. Mm -hmm. And of course, one of the big ways is just simply draw a picture. You mm -hmm. know, you use some artistic skill. Well, the cool thing with this is they can draw that picture and then they can apply some more skills and, you know, take a picture of, of the picture that they drew and we can create, you know, an augmented content to it. So then, you know, one of the things that my idea is, is to have, you know, the students just create a little like two minute video mm -hmm. giving the history of somebody or, or maybe if I had them draw a depiction of the Bo uh, Boston Tea Party, then have them create a little two minute video telling what it is, put the picture on the wall and then, you know, other students can come by with their device, look at the picture, and then the history of that that event will come to life right in front of them there on, on their screen. So that's one idea I've had. Also, um, I'm thinking about simply having them create like little history, little like uh, history books where, you know, they create, again, their own pictures to put in there and maybe they'll put a little summary, write a little summary of the event, but then also have the picture activate, you know, some sort of augmented content to where, you know, there's a little bit more they can add to it. So... Um, that's a couple of the ideas. One of the things I've been working with uh, our teacher who is doing a yearbook this year for our school and we're hoping to maybe add some things to the yearbook to where maybe if a student's looking at their, the picture of the choir for the year, they can take a, their uh, Erasmus app, look at it, and a, you know, an, one of their performances will, that would will be really pop up or you know, a basketball game, it'll you know, actually show clips of the players, you know, the game going on. Or like here at this school at, at Churchill, we do an end of the year music video with all the kids. And uh, we thought maybe at, on the last page of the yearbook, just simply have a, a, an icon or an aura there that they can look at and then the video will pop up for them. That would be really cool. So yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's really neat some of the stuff you could do with it. Yeah, so not just, not just a classroom application, but a whole school application as well. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's neat. Exactly. So if, if somebody is interested in um, creating an augmented reality activity for or for their class. Um, you know, now that you've been, you know, I know you said you're only scratching the surface, but now that you've done a, a couple of them and and you know you've seen how they work and how students. What advice would you have for someone who's who's interested in maybe trying this out? Um, I guess one of the things and this is something that I'm still struggling with in creating my own content because I, I as we were talking before uh, before the interview, um, I'm currently working on creating a augmented tour of downtown Galesburg to where, you know, you could just walk around downtown, find different icons, and it would show, you know, what were some historic events that happened mm -hmm. there, or things about historic people of Galesburg. And one of the things that I'm finding that I'm struggling with is, I guess, uh, keeping it short and simple. Because mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of times when, you, when you're holding the device up there and you're looking at something, and if I have like a two-minute video describing the history of Carl Sandburg, it gets a little cumbersome to be holding that device up there the whole time mm -hmm. looking at this image. And so I think, you know, one thing is try to, you know, focus on what, what is the most important message you want to get across or what is the most important information you want to include because you need to keep it short and simple. If you're creating a video, maybe no more than 30 seconds long on the video or, you know, maybe you just want to, you know, do an image. Just be careful, you know, that you, you make sure that you make it clear what your message is. So, I mean, I guess that would be my only advice right now as far as like with the students working with it. And I, I know all teachers are aware of this. Students today know apps and know technology better than we do. And we're trying to catch up to what they're doing. And so, uh, you know, it, it's been very, you know, very easy. It went a whole lot smoother. Like first time I tried the scavenger hunt in class, it went a whole lot smoother than I anticipated. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have too many tips, I guess I'd say. I, I think, you know, just give it a shot because 
uh, I think the kids, it's one of those things the kids will see it and they'll be like, wow, that's pretty cool. It's kind of a new way of, to, to look, at, look at things. So, so yeah, you know, not too many tips there, just, just simply the, the kids, I think, will really love it when, if you try to do something like that. Great. Well, I want to say thank you and uh, appreciate you uh, sharing your, uh, your experiences with augmented reality today. All right. Thank you very much. That's a wrap on the very first episode of the ROE33 podcast. I want to thank my guests again for joining me. If you'd like more information on some of the things that we talked about in this episode, visit ROE33.net and click on the Professional Development tab. There you'll find another link to the podcast if you want to listen to it again, and you'll also find episode notes where I've included links to some of the things that were discussed in the episode today. I've also included a link to a Google form where you can submit ideas for future podcast episodes. So if you're interested in being a part of this, go ahead and fill that out or or encourage someone else in your school to fill that out and hopefully we can have you on sometime. Thanks and we look forward to seeing you in episode two.